Welcome back to the show, everybody. Today's guest is Justin Lepre, uh, somebody I got introduced to from a few different people, but I, I really couldn't for- remember. <laughs> couldn't forget. I couldn't remember who had introduced us, and so I asked him, and he said it was our buddy Jaybird, Jason Bodine, from Louisiana, my homie that I met down at Spirit Quest with Don Howard and Aubrey and the crew. Um, such a fascinating, awesome, awesome friend to have. He uh, was out at our farm and working, you know, he's, he works with Wachuma pretty exclusively now. And uh, just a fascinating, awesome dude, you know. He's, he's becoming one with that plant, one with the cactus. And so um, we were walking the land and talking and he kept telling me about Justin and, and everything that Justin's doing. And I was, I was actually really excited because a lot of people tell me, oh, I got a great guy for your podcast, blah, blah, blah. I'm sure it's far more for people like Aubrey and especially... I can't quantify how often that must happen for Rogan uh, or Tim Ferriss, but that said, uh, a lot of the times it's it's not a good fit. A lot of the times it's you know it's not a good fit for various reasons. Just because I may have had several podcasts covering the same material already, and certainly I've had veterans on this podcast, and certainly I've had veterans that are working with plant medicines on this podcast. Uh, Johnny Wilson comes to mind from the Navy SEALs, different people like that, the Heroic Hearts Foundation, all doing awesome work. But Justin's story is unique, as is everyone's. And his what he's doing is totally fucking unique, especially in this field. It's quite ballsy. And uh, it would take a guy who who, who has his background to do something like this. In my opinion, when I think about um, just the... The nature of what he's doing, but also, you know, it, it, it makes sense to me at the same time. It's not just, holy shit, I can't believe you're doing this. There's, um, yeah, man, you're doing it. You know, we need this work in the world. And it can't wait for government approval. It can't wait for people to get on board where they're like, yeah, the science confirms this shit's been working for thousands of years. I get all that. Uh, Justin's story, we get into his background. It's fucking awesome. Cool to meet a local Texan. That's um, <clears throat> a rarity in Austin. He's not a local Austinite, I guess you'd call that, which uh, <laughs> I don't know if you get bonus points for that now or or, or, or if it goes the other direction. But um, at least he's not a new transplant. Sorry, new transplants. Thank you for coming. And yeah, but he's, he, was, he was born in Texas, spent some time in different parts of Southern Texas and um, kind of bounced around. Uh, when he got out of the military, he stopped here in Austin Joined the fire department, and my wife and I uh, and the kids actually just dropped off a bunch of goodies over at Station 35 uh, for the boys down there. And um, super cool. I talk on the podcast about how much love I have for the fire department. I got a lot of buddies that, um, you know, really that was their life and still is their lives getting out of high school. And it's such a a wild and badass job. And, um, you know, having gone through the process of being hiring myself, like I, I know having gone through the process of, of being hired myself, I know some of the reality of what that job looks like. And we talk about what that reality looks like. And it's not fucking pretty at all. Um, if you're a first responder, you know exactly what I'm talking about. If you're used to watching uh, TV shows with firemen on it, then you, this, this is going to be a rude awakening because it's the shit that nobody talks about that, um, that keeps people awake at night. And this is why Justin is so fervent in his mission to make sure that there is help for first responders as well as uh, military personnel, as well as everyday fucking people like you and me that want to be well. And that's exactly what Rick Doblin talked about years ago. Uh, if you listen to the podcast with Robert Forte, 
You may have a newfound opinion on Henrik Doblin. That's okay. I like taking information from all sides. And um, the truth is we do need medicine for well people and people that want to be more well or more themselves. Early on, plant medicines saved my life in many different ways. They saved my marriage. They saved, my, saved me from being a fucking alcoholic and drinking myself into a stupor. They saved me from a whole bunch of stupid shit and recentered me in my path and reconnected me to my inner knowing. Really, one of the things that we try to do at Full Temple Reset, which we have coming up in the end of January, there's only, I think, a few more days to sign up for it. We'll link to that in the show notes is this process of reconnecting you to yourself. What the fuck does that mean? You know, what does it mean to clear your temple? I think of the body as a temple, the mind as a temple, and the spirit as a temple. Obviously, the three are in one. Um, how do we affect and clear all that so we can come back to our inner knowing? How do we listen to intuition? How do we find the North Star and know unequivocally that I'm being taken in the right direction, that it's not just some foolish, childish desire that's bringing me to this new thing, but there's actually weight behind it. There's actually some meaning and substance there with what I'm desiring. And a big part of that conversation is going to come up with Mark Gaffney. I've got Mark Gaffney coming up 12 fucking times this year in 2024. I'm super stoked. Uh, if you want to get a head start, the book, A Return to Eros is a phenomenal place to start. Can't wait to dive into that. We're going to do the 12 faces of Eros and you'll understand very quickly. If you haven't listened to my podcast with him, please go back and listen to it. Uh, it's incredible. And obviously, I won't have any time to get Robert F. Kennedy Jr. on the podcast because he's running for president. But he has another new one. He has a couple new ones, The Wuhan Cover-Up and Vax versus Unvaxed. Both these books are just absolute fucking game changers. Um, if you haven't read The Real Anthony Fauci, like buckle up, get on the fucking, <laughs> get in the game and actually understand what's at play here. If there's one book I say that would, that would summarize it well, other than, I mean, in such detail on the medical system. You know, there's many other books. I just finished a new one from Mark Gober, An End to Upside Down Medicine. He's going to be coming back on. I'm very excited for that, hopefully in the first two months of the year. Uh, Gober has just an incredible library of amazing reads. If you're not familiar with his work, um, please check him out. They're very short listens on Audible. Uh, I think five hours of content on Audible. You'll fly right through it. We recently had a trip out to New York for uh, some trial prep for the UFC lawsuit. I'll be talking more about that as I'm allowed to with the law team. A lot of people have no fucking idea that's going on. It's been going on since Bear was in the womb. He's now eight. It's about nine years in that. Um, so we will, be, we will be diving into more of that and uncovering more of it next year and hopefully getting some interviews with uh, our Harvard economics expert, Dr. Hal Singer, and different people like that to really showcase what's happening there, what has happened, and what the claim is, and, and who it affects, and all that good shit. So we're peeling back the curtains and showing you a little bit more of what my life looks like outside of this job, outside of Fit for Service, that kind of stuff. But inside Fit for Service, we're changing a ton of shit. We got Fit for Service Academy coming up for the first time next year. I'm very stoked for that. You can find out about Full Temple Reset and Fit for Service Academy all over at fitforservice.com. Please check it out. Full Temple Reset is, we're, we're closing the docket at the end of this month. So uh, come, <laughs> come December 31st, if you haven't signed up, that's it. So really, really, really make, make your way over there. Uh, direct link, right first thing in the show notes. Just scroll down, be right there, pop it open, and see if fasting with 35 people, 30, 35 people is going to actually be something that, that can change you and shift you. It is. It is something that will absolutely change you. You're from your physiology 
to the way you think and move and operate in the world. Support our podcast by supporting our sponsors. These guys make this show fiscally possible. I love each and every one of them. Um, very important. I love these guys. And uh, I haven't handpicked each of these. My, 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 my team actually helped me find these, this amazing one right here. TWC.health slash Kingsbury. I'm going to go there to grab your medical emergency kit. This is really cool. TWC.health slash Kingsbury. And use code KINGSBURY in all caps to save 15% on your first order. Kits are only available in the USA. Sorry for all the folks listening in Europe and Canada. If I'm still on in Canada and some parts of Europe <laughs> with the new laws. Cal Kingsbury MedKit Ad Read. All right, here we go. A staggering 275 million antibiotic prescriptions were handed out in the USA last year. And you or someone you love is probably going to need a prescription in the next 12 months. With supply chain shortages becoming a common reality, more families are being forced to take their health into their own hands. The Wellness Company's Medical Emergency Kit contains eight life-saving medications that every American should have in their medicine cabinet. If you have Tylenol, you should have this med kit. With antibiotics, antivirals, and antiparasitics, it's like having a pharmacy in your home. It contains emergency meds you need like amoxicillin, ivermectin, and z pack The kit also includes a 22-page guidebook with instructions on safe use for each medication. From benign tick bites to pneumonia, every scenario is covered. These prescription-only kits are high in demand, so make sure to order yours now before the cold and flu season really ramps up. Go to twc.health/kingsbury. That's K-I-N-G-S-B-U-R-Y to grab your medical emergency kit. That's twc.health/kingsbury and use code Kingsbury in all caps to save fifteen percent on your first order. Kits are only available in the USA. We're also brought to you today by the homies at CuredNutrition.com slash KKP. Use code KKP for 20% off everything in the store. Cured Nutrition Sleep Bundle. We all know that a full night of sleep is essential when we're working towards optimizing our overall health. Cured Sleep Bundle, which combines their best-selling Zen and most potent CBN, is the answer to ensuring that you'll get a full night of sleep every single night. Zen is a blend of functional mushrooms, cannabinoids, and adaptogens, while CBN is a lesser-known cannabinoid found in the hemp plant. These supplements were designed to support the two most critical stages of your body's natural sleep cycle, REM sleep and non-REM deep sleep. Cured's raw CBN oil contains 30 milligrams of CBD and 5 milligrams of CBN. Together, the CBD and CBN create a synergistic whole body effect. When it starts to kick in, you'll notice every inch of your body soften into a deeper state of relaxation, as if you're lying beneath the comfort of a weighted blanket. Ah, Once you're asleep... Zen is there to ensure that your body is successfully cycling out of non-REM deep sleep and into REM and back again. Some people can't fall asleep, others can't stay asleep, and then there are those that fall asleep and stay asleep but still struggle to spend enough time in each sleep stage. No matter what is keeping you from true rest and restoration, this sleep bundle is your solution. Think of it as a one-two punch for body and brain reset. absolutely love this stuff. I've been using it for, for the last few months, probably since fall of 2023, and it's amazing. The more you study, the more we study the, the endogenous production of cannabinoids within our own body, the, the endocannabinoid system, and the more we look at the plants, plant medicines like cannabis and hemp, and find how these things interact with one another, it's, it's, it's the symphony. It's the orchestra. It's, the, it's fucking everything Dennis McKenna talks about. This whole game that we're in, we're interlocked and intertwined and interconnected with literally everything you see and everything there is. And it proves, nothing proves it better 
than the receptor sites we carry within our own nervous system and brain for these wonderful medicines. Now, we can produce this stuff on our own, but I can guarantee if you're not sleeping well, you're not producing it. You're not producing what you need, period. And taking this from the plants is an exceptional use of these plants. Right now, Cured is extending an exclusive offer for you, my listeners. You can grab Zen and CBN in the sleep bundle for an extra 20% off Cured's already discounted price by visiting www.curednutrition.com KKP and using the coupon code KKP at checkout. With this extra discount, you're getting 36% off the regular price. Yep, that's C-U-R-E-D nutrition.com slash KKP and coupon code KKP at checkout to save an extra 20%. All right, we're well into the holidays, but it is the end of the year. So to get a head start on your holiday stress, I don't know if that, that's going to count. Well, we're, we're, we're into this holiday season. But if you're already fucking stressed out like I've been, visit stressguardian.com slash kingsboo and use promo code KINGSBOO10 in all caps for 10% off your first order. Feeling overwhelmed this holiday season? I get it. November and December's demands, end of year tasks, holiday preparations, gift shopping, and family get-togethers can be a relentless source of stress. Well, breathe easy because Stress Guardian is here to help. It's the latest scientific breakthrough from Bioptimizers, the genius behind magnesium breakthrough and masszymes. It's packed with a blend of 14 adaptogenic herbs that help to regulate your stress and response naturally, granting you control over holiday stress. With daily use, Stress Guardian becomes your personal shield against seasonal tension, enhancing both your mental and physical well-being. Say goodbye to just surviving. This holiday season, thrive instead with Stress Guardian. To get a head start on your holiday stress, visit stressguardian.com slash kingsboo and use promo code all caps K-I-N-G-S-B-U-1-0 for 10% off your first order. Boptimizers is so confident in their products that they offer a risk-free 365-day Money back guarantee. Discover the secret to peace on earth this holiday season. Visit stressguardian.com slash kingsboom now. Now, I love this stuff. Uh, anytime these guys set me up with a product, I'm like, yeah, give, it, give, me, give me the new shit because they know so much. They're one of the companies out there where anything they make, I have to try it because whatever they make, it's the very best on the planet. Uh, I've had them on the podcast two or three times. Actually, well, both of them have only been on once, but I've had Wade Lightheart on at least once or twice before the team came on. <clears throat> Love these guys. They have a fucking amazing book too. If you go to Bioptimizers, I'm sure all that info is there. All their supplements are incredible. They have changed the game of digestion to a point now where with Gluten Guardian, I feel like I can eat pizza again. I feel, and it's not going to fucking be a weight loss food, but I'm not impacted from the gluten in the way that I was in the past. Everything they make is phenomenal. Uh, I started taking the Stress Guardian first, and it works really well. I was just like, oh, this is cool. I mean, I feel like uh, it's like Rain-X. All the water's just rolling right off me. Anything that's got <laughs> life shit still coming at me, the storm's still here, but it's just rolling right off my back. And then I realized I probably should give this to my wife. That's a very good use of this <laughs> Stress Guardian. So we went through it pretty quickly, and I'm, I'm fixing to order some more. But it's awesome stuff. And yeah, yeah all of us get stressed out. There's no two ways about it. Fucking Eckhart Tolle probably gets stressed out. I'm just guessing here, but I'm willing to bet as you're human, you get stressed out. And it's really nice when we can look to Ayurvedic medicine and some of the, the, the great plants of all time that have the ability to calm us, reboot us, lower cortisol, help us sleep better. And that's all in Stress Guardian. So stressguardian.com slash Kingsboo and promo code Kingsboo10 for 10% off your first order. Last but not least, we're brought to you by the homies at Organifi.com slash KKP. Use code KKP for 20% off everything in the store. I've been telling you guys for a long time about the Sunrise to Sunset Kit. 
Once you get one of those, you're going to be covered with the red, the green, and the gold with 20% off using code KKP. That's Organifi.com slash KKP. Grab a Sunrise to Sunset kit to be covered with the red, green, and gold. This is their gold standard. This is what they've been, this is what put them on the map. The Organifi green really was the first thing everybody was like, holy shit. I remember when they came out with the red, I was like, oh, I know what this is going to do. They're looking to increase nitric oxide. They're looking to help with performance. They're looking to help with blood flow to the brain and muscles and the other muscle, you know, in between the legs for, for, and there's, there's muscle there for everyone, I guess. So the red works, the green works. The gold is an excellent way to unwind after a long day. And Organifi is a lot like bioptimizers. Anything they create this new is phenomenal. They came out with the Shilajit gummies that were so good. They are so good. They actually taste good. They're by far the most convenient way to take Shilajit. And uh, I've tried a lot of different methods. It's sticky. It's gooey. Um, I've gone with the goop. I've gone with cold press tablets at night. I've gone a whole bunch of other different things. But these gummies are by far the most convenient way to get it in. And now they've just come out with Easy Greens. Organifi Kids is a whole new line they're going to come out with. Finally, they have a healthy green juice kids will crave. Veggies, superfoods, and 100% junk-free. This stuff is awesome. My little girl loves it. And I like testing it on the youngest. You know what I'm saying? Because like Bear's eight years old now. I can convince him, hey, this is going to help you in jujitsu. It's going to help with recovery. And it for sure will. And he'll take it. He'll take it anyways, just because of that. But Wolf's three. She's not going <laughs> to, there's nothing I could do like carrot in front of the horse's mouth. This is what you need. Uh, that none of that shit works. She either likes it or she doesn't. And she loves the Organifi Kids Easy Greens. It's nourishing, delicious blend of superfoods and veggies, especially crafted to provide essential nutrients, probiotics, and building blocks to support children's growing bodies. Easy Greens is a wholesome and convenient choice for parents who want the best for their kids. Uh, it's a nutrient-rich blend with a sweet apple taste kids love. Probiotic and enzymes for optimal absorption and organic and free from fillers and additives. Everything in this product you'll say yes to. There's nothing in this product you're going to be like, why'd they put that in there? If you head over to Organifi.com slash KKP, uh, you can grab a bunch of this stuff and save big on it right now. If you want to get three bags or six bags, I promise you're going to go through this quicker than you think. Your kids will love it. And they're going to be able to get a whole bunch of things they normally wouldn't eat. Uh, Drew Canoli, I talked with him recently before he, he had his baby. He didn't deliver it, believe it or not, even though they're in California. And uh, he's here quoted on the site, as a new parent, I know how important it is to give our children the best start in their life. I'm also learning how hard it can be to get them to eat healthy stuff. With Easy Greens, we're bringing the power of green juice to kids in a way that they're really going to love. All right. And that's it. Welcome to the podcast, Justin LaPree, my brother. All right. We've officially begun. <laughs> um, are you podcasting now? Is that what you wanted to know about the, the headsets? No, but it's it's something that I'm I'm toying with. Uh, a, I have, you know, my social media manager is always um, busting my ass for content. And so I think by creating a podcast, um, I'm, I'm being very intentional with that because I want to do something a little different. I'm just not exactly sure what that's going to be. Are you thinking seasons, themes, particular, <clears throat> like you explore a concept in depth and then yeah, move on? Well, you know, because of the work that I'm doing, I think we can really just, I think A, can be an avenue for um, veterans first responders, families to come and, and share their story um, uh, and really reach. Because I'm, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to reach that veteran with a gun in his hand on the couch. And so this is why I do this. Do I, do I enjoy, you know, um, 
you know, reliving my past and, and podcasting, eh, not yet. Uh, it's uncomfortable. Well, it's different though right? because different. you're a guest. Right. For a long yeah, time, right. I didn't want to talk about MMA or fighting. I was just like, that's, that's right. fucking 15 years behind me. I'm onto some new shit. That's right. And yeah, and that's not even... I don't, I'm not holding anything from that in the way that, that somebody who had been in your situation would, right? It's like right. apples and fucking something way different, you know? But, I, but, you know, it's such a great tool to reach a greater amount of people. And, you know, that, that was definitely apparent when I was at the MAPS conference in Denver. And, you know, I was, I was working the booth life. Um, trust me, I, I had a VIP pass. I wanted to go and listen to all the people talking, right? Aubrey and, and Aaron Rodgers spoke. I was like, oh, that'd be a great conversation to go here. But I needed to be at the booth. And there was, a, there was an active duty firefighter for Denver, uh, who was running through the trade floor looking for me. I only know this because I was, you know, I'm, I'm friends with the organization that put on the MAPS conference. They ran into this person. They were like, where can I find Heroic Path to Light? Where can I find Justin LaPree? And she, she was thinking that I'd, you know, I was holding some sort of medicine circle back here in the corner of the trade floor. <laughs> like, God, what did Justin do? Sign me up. Right. <laughs> and, uh, as they're kind of going through the floor, you know, he, uh, he explained to her that he heard my podcast. He heard the MAPS podcast that it was Zach Leary, and that he needs help. And that was really a beautiful moment for me to understand that this, we are part of something bigger than ourselves. And this is reaching those distant cities um, outside of, you know, here where we're headquartered in Austin, but it's reaching people that truly need to hear the words that we're saying and need to know that there's options out there to find help. Um, and so that's, that's kind of sparked this, this idea of, you know, creating a channel, uh, to where a, we can share the stories of transformation, uh, and then bring on different, you know, uh, subject matter experts in the, in the conversation of becoming well. And I really enjoy learning about the science of all of this, although there is a huge spiritual component. For, for me, getting into this space, I needed to learn the science. I needed to actually understand, you know, somebody telling me that they can... It didn't really match up with me, right? <laughs> yeah, like, I was like, oh, I have no idea what you're talking about. Cool parlor trick. Right, <laughs> right. So, uh, you know, for me, actually understanding what was happening in my brain um, and my body um, led me to understand the spiritual aspect of it. So, Yeah, I think there's something to that. I mean, uh, especially in the, the, the age and the day of science, you know, and, and it, you, you know, I listen to your podcast. I'll, I'll link to it in the show notes because we probably won't go two hours and 22 minutes, but you did an excellent <laughs> podcast with <laughs> my buddy, Joe Hawley. Thanks, man. And uh, you talked Joe. about turning away from God at a certain point in your life. You had to, right? And I think, you know, most people who are given, um, you know, a, a package set of this is what God is, at some point they say, no, I don't think that's it, you know? And some people throw the baby out with the bathwater and some people try to fine tune and search in other areas. Um, but a lot of people look to science as God for, for better or worse, you know, and we see that as this is the, the, what's provable, we know, you know, and we have a certain um, degree of certainty around that stuff because it's hard to, to grapple with the uncertain. It's hard to grapple with the unknowable. 
but that makes sense to to be able to speak to the right brain and the left brain to give the science mm-hmm. behind something and and then there's this whole other piece to it mm-hmm. you know i think that's really important it's like hitting the lowest common denominator so that uh, people will understand it from any different avenue or background of life and i think that's that is really important and it's a good thing that the movement's doing um obviously there's some there's some weeded areas that we can get into you know in terms of like <laughs> Uh, people trying to figure out big pharma, a way to make acid not have a bad trip or a way, you know, to pull you out with another thing. And it's kind of like, ah, but that's, in my opinion, you know, that, that could ruin the experience. Like some of my most challenging bad trips were the fucking most transformative, best thing that ever happened in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think there's, there's, there's more to it. It's more nuanced. But this podcast, we always, we always roll um, with what made you, you. And, you know, it's really interesting. I listen to... Um, Sean Ryan, I, I never was in the military, but as a fighter, got to go on many tours for the troops. I spent three nights in Saddam's palace. I met my wife in Kuwait and Iraq. She was a ring girl in the UFC. And uh, just really, I mean, I, I've, I've loved every one of those tours. I've learned a lot about what life is like outside of the United States. I've learned a lot about, you know, what, what draws people into service. And, um, and, I'm, and I still geek out over like what makes a person a certain type of person that's capable of fucking getting in there and doing, you know, same thing. It's like, I look at a guy who fights and I'm like, oh yeah, you got it, you know? And then I, um, but I remember listening to Sean Ryan's podcast and I will find this one. Uh, it was a guy named Cody who was a Marine. He talked about the Battle of Fallujah. Cody Alford. Yeah, yep. yeah Cody Alford. Same unit. Okay, fuck yeah. Oh, this same is unit. great. This is yeah. great. Because right unit. when you mentioned on Joe Holly, I was like, I wonder if he knows Cody. Because yeah, that, I, it, don't know him. I know, uh, don't, do not know him. Uh, so different, different companies, but same unit. Yeah. Six hours. They did that podcast. I'll we'll link to it in the show notes. It's mind blowing. And obviously we don't have six hours here, but you know, with, with that as the, the kind of the, the, the peak experience, I guess, um, walk us through life growing up, what drove you into to wanting to be in the military and, um, and then, you know, how that career went, which, which led to one of the fucking biggest, you know, holy shit moments of your life. So I grew up in Katy, um, and I grew up in the country, um, pretty secluded. Um, my parents uh, put me through private school. Um, I went to an all-boy high school, Jesuit high school in Houston, and um, my life was, my, my childhood was rough. Um, had an abusive father, alcoholic, um, uh, wasn't around. Uh, and the abuse was not just towards me, but towards my sister, towards my mom. Uh, and we didn't have a, we didn't have a solid family unit. And so I would always explore, you know, staying at friends' houses and spending time outside of the house because I didn't want to be in the house. Um, but that was, that was, that was my reality. Um, and so, uh, after I graduated, you know, it, it's, you know, <clears throat> my dad wanted me to go to college. Did you play football in high school? I You're did. a big fucking guy. I so did like, play I'm football. Looking at a big man. Yeah, I'm did. six, close to six four. I'm staring at another guy that's like big, and from that's Texas. Right. So I can only imagine like fo- Texas football. Football was a, a great way for me to um, channel aggression in a healthy way. Um, I fought a lot. Uh, not something that I'm proud of, um, but I was I was hurting and I didn't know how to properly um, 
channeled that energy and that rage that I had. So hitting somebody else on a football field was a great way to do that. Um, when I graduated, I wanted to do everything that my father didn't want me to do. I wanted to do everything for me. I wanted to make my own decisions. And so I decided not to go to college and I decided to join the military. And what I was really looking for in the military was family. Um, I didn't, I didn't know what to do at that age, right? I was, I was 18 years old. Um, and I was looking for purpose. Like, what am I doing? What am I going? I don't, I didn't even know what I wanted to be. So it was easy. You walk into the recruiter's office and you sign. I said, how quickly can I get out of here? He said, two weeks. I said, all right, let's do it. And, um, and I had a friend that, that, I, that I had seen come back from Marine Corps boot camp. He was completely changed. And I was like, I want, I want that. And uh, so I enlisted in uh, March of 2001. And then I got out of infantry school on September 7th of 2001. My unit wasn't even back yet. They were still floating on a Navy vessel coming back from the Mediterranean, their little vacation, and uh, the towers fell. And I remember, I remember we were at the chow hall eating breakfast, and um, I had never been in New York. And, you know, you, you see the first plane hit, and I was like, damn, that's shitty. Right? Thinking, you know, tall buildings, low, low plane. Uh, it happens. And then you saw the second one hit, and it, you know, yeah, you couldn't take your eyes off the screen. And the, you know, at 18 years old, uh, you're pumped, right? This is, this is the opportunity, you know, uh, 2% of the military ever see combat, right? And so you look, <laughs> you look at, you know, this opportunity to actually go to war and fight for your country, um, which to that point, you know, pretty naive. You think the country has your back. You think the country supports you. I mean, that's, uh, that's all on a whole nother level, uh, of a conversation. But at that time you, you want to serve, right? And so that meant going to war, killing bad guys. And, uh, there's a lot of romance, uh, with a naive mind on, uh, on what happens in war. Cause we don't know. Right. And if we had family members that served in Vietnam or Korea, we don't really talk about it. So you don't you you think of it as this this uh, beautiful opportunity to fight for America. And the games changed so much too, right? Yeah. Like when you got in, a lot of you said a lot of the old timers at that point hadn't seen combat because there was such right. a big stretch, right? That's right. Yeah, that's right. So yeah, the game is the game had changed. And so we deployed in 2003 for the invasion of Iraq, and that was a, that was a relatively easy assignment. I mean, we were, we were rolling through uh, Umkasar um, and up to Al-Nazaria, and it was relatively easy. Pockets of insurgency. I mean, it was really Saddam's, Saddam's military at that point. Most of them surrendered. Um, but in 2004, we ended up in Fallujah. Uh, it was right after the Blackwater uh, contractors were were murdered, uh, burned, and hung from the bridge, and that's when pissed us off enough to uh, to go in there and invade that city. Completely different war, and we weren't we weren't fighting an organized military anymore. We were fighting insurgencies from all around, you know, neighboring countries, um, and they blended in. 
they were wearing regular clothes. They were inside the, you know, the police departments. And it was, uh, it was a horrific experience. Um, completely changed my life uh, in a way um, that would take me a good part of almost two decades to crawl out of. And, you, you know, there, there's something that happens in war uh, that, that you can never get back, and that's the loss of your innocence. And, you know, losing, the, losing a friend, watching a friend die, <clears throat> is one of the most difficult experiences that a person could ever go through outside of losing a, a loved one, a partner, a child. Um, and uh, I wasn't, you know, you're going through this, these experiences, I mean, combat every day. And you, you, you don't have time to feel scared. You don't have time to feel emotion. Uh, if you feel, if you, take, if you take time to feel, it's a good chance you're not going to come home. And for most of us, we didn't think we were coming home. I mean, you don't go to war thinking you're coming home. Most of us are supposed to die over there. But with the advancements of life-saving technology, more people are living now. And so you have this, this influx in, back into reintegration of, of being a civilian. And, and people don't know what it means to be a civilian again. You know, they're fucking programmed. Right, it's like you, you're learning in your early 20s. You know, the military takes these young, fresh minds and programs them into what they want to be, be killers. But they do a really shitty job at reintegrating you back once you make it home into what it means to go back into society. They don't do shit. And so back in 2005, when I got out. You know, I had all these symptoms. I didn't know what I was suffering from, but had a traumatic brain injury, PTS, had depression, anxiety, right? The, the high school football star, you know, the, the Boy Scout, that dude died over there. And so I, I returned home a shell. And then when you get out of the military, well, you're not a Marine anymore. So you lose your fucking identity. You lose your purpose. And so you go into the VA system because that's the only place that you can actually see another veteran. <laughs> right? That's your sick-ass community. And it's a, it, dude, it's depressing. Going to the VA hospital was super depressing for me. And, you know, the, the doctors, who, who I believe truly don't want to be there, um just write prescriptions for you. They misdiagnose, they over-medicate. I was on 13 different prescriptions over the time I was in the VA system. One of the, the hardest medicines for me to ever kick was Oxycontin. I got uh, prescribed that in the early 2000s when I got out for pain, and uh, I abused it. And it, I think that's a natural progression, you know, that obviously you see like Purdue Pharma uh, paid out that's right. some ridiculous amount of money in sweeping the addiction portion of their research under the rug. That's right. Even Xanax, though, I remember you talking about that, like mm -hmm. Xanax was something where I had, 
at Vicodin, Xanax, and Valium prescribed me from a natural path when I was at ASU. And uh, I thank God that opiates would make me nauseous. So I'd just give those to the homies on the team or trade for something else. But when you come off an anti-anxiety, if you don't taper that, you can actually you can die. die, right? And like, that and alcohol. <laughs> that and alcohol. And, and Xanax yeah. was the, the fucking creme de la creme. Like Valium was fun, but Xanax was like, if you want to completely escape any pain, any thoughts, anything, Xanax will do it. You know, like I, I remember one of the tours I was flying, I took I had a, a 20 hour flight or some shit and having a two milligram Zanny bar. And it was just like, I'm getting, somebody's waking me up when I get there. Those know, long like, skinny ones. Uh huh. Yeah. Yep. With the little four notches yep. on it. Yep. Yeah. So you had like two, and this is two of 13 of the most powerful things that, that can be easily mistreated and often are. And we see this with the fucking, you know, with it sweeping across America the way that it did. The, the, I've had multiple friends and family die from Oxycontin mm. because when they either ran out, they went to heroin or they died on Oxycontin. Like mm -hmm. that in and of itself is a fucking big deal. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and, and we're, you know, the, the doctors in this country are treating symptoms instead of getting down to the root of what's causing the depression, the anxiety in the first place. You know, where does this PTS come from? You know, if I would have, if, if I would have been able to look in, in, inside of my psyche go into my subconscious, which we can get on the conversations of psychedelic medicines. Um, but you can find these deep rooted childhood wounds. Like why did I go in the military in the first place? Right? So you can start to explore kind of where these deep root wounds are, are hidden that psychedelics do a fantastic job at uncovering because we are master suppressors. And then we take suppressants to even further suppress and to not to feel. And so we have removed, we, we have, we, we are so far removed from that little boy inside of us. We don't even know who we are anymore. And, and it takes an act of God to snap you out of that, to be able to have the awareness to even start looking into the depths of yourself. And for me, it was suicide. And, you know, when I, when I, when I got out of the military, I, was, I, was, I ended up homeless for about a year. I was in New York. Um, I was one of those Marine vets that dated a nighttime dancer, you know, super healthy, not. <laughs> and, uh, but, but I was toxic. And so I was surrounding myself with toxic relationships and toxic people toxic substances and that's what I was attracting and so you know I moved up to New York she she went to Fordham and um, that didn't work out and so I ended up homeless I was on the streets for six months and then I, I moved into a halfway house for six months and that's where I, I met a gentleman by the name of Bob Cheeseman and uh, he gave me an opportunity to work for him at Citigroup and that was the beginning of my Wall Street career uh, which would be about eight years um, that I, that I worked on wall street. And during that time, you know, money was in the bank account. Um, definitely didn't, didn't understand properly how to spend money. Um, cause it was the first time in my life that I actually had some money in the bank account. Um, so it was spent on unhealthy 
activities, <laughs> right? And so, so um, and you know, Manhattan has everything at your fingertips, right? I mean, <laughs> walk down half a block and there's three bodegas, right? So um, I was missing purpose. And so I got married in 2012 and I wanted to reinvent myself. This is kind of what I've done. This is a pattern that I've done in my life is when I get tired of being who I am, I, I'll just, I'll do something drastic to reinvent myself in search of who I truly am. And so in 2013, I moved back down to Texas. Um, at that point, I wasn't going back to Houston area, wasn't going to Dallas. So Austin, it was, um, diehard Longhorn fan. So I was like, yeah, let's go to Austin. I, I love that town. So came down here and I started to go through the process to become a firefighter with the city of Austin. Uh, and in 2017, that's what I did. I got on with the department, um, went through the academy. I was 35 years old. I was like, fuck, this sucks. I was like, man, this is a young man's game, right? That's <laughs> yeah. what I was feeling. I was, I was going to cryo every day. My knees hurt. My legs are swollen. But I was, I was, I was proud. I had two young children at the time. And, um, uh, well, one, one uh, on the way. And... Um, I wanted to do something that would make them proud and, and make me proud. And getting back to service was how I've, I've always been able to kind of fill up my cup. And I thought firefighting was going to be able to do that for me. Um, I worked at two of the busiest stations in the city. I worked at Station 14, which was a special operations station off of Airport Boulevard, um, the old Mueller Airport uh, fire station. And then I worked at, at Central, Station Number 1 off of 5th and Trinity. Um, during my stint at these stations, um, if you remember, um, how long have you been here? I got here in 2017, so okay. I, beat, I beat the rush, but yeah. I haven't been here that long. So we, there was a serial bomber in Austin that yep. was delivering FedEx packages. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Bro, <laughs> I shit you not, I shit you not. Like, I, so I, I used to think that I was, I was desensitized to trauma, right? That I could see it. It wouldn't bother me. Just suppress, suppress, suppress. Bro, like when you when you when you when you see innocent people die, I mean, this isn't you know, bad dudes anymore, right? These these are women and children, men, just commoners. Fucking horrible, and you know we were first on scene for these, and these packages were being opened up on the doorstep or inside the the kitchen. Ball bearings, I mean, IEDs, right? In in I mean, incredibly traumatic. Multiple, you know, mass shootings on 6th Street. And uh, it definitely rocked me. And uh, I wasn't in a healthy mindset anyway because I had never truly recovered from coming home. That this thing just completely spiraled me out. I had a really bad home life, you know, with my, with my ex-wife. You know, she, she was an alcoholic at the time. I'm not saying that was all her doing. Um, I was gone a lot. You know, I was working overtime shifts at the fire station. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't the, you know, most healthiest me. Uh, so I know I had a lot to do with that as well. Um, so and we had two young, we had two young children, and uh, it was there was a lot of stressors. Uh, we just built a new house in 2017. Um, so. Life change with a career, two young children uh, in diapers, and then a new house, and it fucking broke the camel's back. And uh, 
Uh, we filed for divorce in September 2018. And family lawyers, I got a special place for them. And uh, like, I'm, I'm, I shit you not, man. Like, hopefully somebody loves them out there because they manipulate good people uh, to, to put them against each other in, in the sake of money. Um, and it was really sad what happened to my family. And my diagnosis uh, and disability rating with the government was weaponized and used against me. And they took my kids away for a period of time because they thought I was dangerous. And my kids at that point, that was my lifeline. Like, that's all I had. I, I don't have a family. I don't talk to my parents, right? So that was all I had. And so when that was taken away, I'm like, why the fuck am I here? What am I doing here? And up to this point, I had lost 15 friends to suicide. And that, their decision, whereas once I used to be pissed off about them checking out, part of that was jealousy. I'm like, wow, that shit makes sense to me now. And so on Veterans Day of 2018, I walked out to my truck. I was on duty. I had a SIG 45 under my steering wheel and I uh, put it on my lap. I had, this was all premeditated. So I had a letter to Leo, a letter to Stella. It was titled My Last Letter to You. And it was really me spilling my guts to them so that they would hopefully understand that this had nothing to do with my love for them. This was me not wanting to hurt anymore me wanting to find peace through death. And uh, I just, I, I, I prayed for peace, you know, through making this decision. I didn't want to leave my kids, right? But I didn't want to fucking go through life how I was going through life anymore, and I didn't know how to get out. And so I put that gun in my mouth, and I pulled the trigger, and the, the hammer the hammer dropped, and nothing happened. And... um it was clear that nothing happened because I still had this thought unless I'm, I'm in some weird different dimension, <laughs> right? So um, I was so anxious at the moment, I, I threw up all over myself um, and I just, I just was fucking screaming. I was so pissed. And my weapon's always loaded. I mean, I'm meticulous with firearms. So I dropped the magazine, it was empty. And then I racked the chamber back and it was empty. And so somebody loved me more than I loved myself, saw me spiral, you know, since, since the kids were taken away. I was, I was pretty open with my crew at the fire station on what I was going through. It was obvious what I was going through. I was drinking myself to sleep every night. And uh, somebody intervened, got the keys to my truck. I, I, I can't tell you that it was that night. I don't know when it, when it was. I would say within a month. So I would say October, anywhere from October 1 to, you know, uh, Veterans Day in November. And uh, they unloaded that weapon. And um, I don't know who that person is. And, you know, they have, a, have given me the most sacred gift of a second chance. And they gave me the opportunity and my children the opportunity to grow up with father. And, you know, to allow me to walk my daughter down the aisle and to teach my boy how to throw a baseball. Uh, something that um, I was going to give up. 
uh, consciously. Um, I knew that I was going to give that up, but I didn't know how to get out of the, of the loop I was in. And I mean, I had spent, you know, 13 years up to that point, highly medicated, not feeling. And I just wanted to feel again. I just wanted to live. So I took some time off uh, from the station and a friend of mine sent me a book in the mail, How to Change Your Mind by Michael Pollan. Two books were really influential for me in this period of my life. That being one of them, the second being The Immortality Key from Brian Rescue. And I read these books extremely quickly. I was desperate because I knew, I knew the next time that I attempted, I would watch myself load the magazine, watch myself put, put the round in the chamber, and I wasn't going to miss and so it opened up in uh, this conversation with myself that just possibly I could change my mind about dying. Just possibly I could change my mind about wanting to leave my children and, and, and calling it quits. And so I was a straight-laced fireman. I, I, you know, you can count the times on my hand uh, this is at this point that I've, that I had smoked cannabis, never worked with mushrooms before. Um, and I reached out to a friend, uh, and they introduced me to this gentleman by the name of Jacob Boone. He lived in Lakeway. Jacob Boone died from suicide this past January. Uh, and he gave me my first ounce of mushrooms. And so I had, I had really, uh, surrounded myself with all the research that was happening, uh, and, 2017, 2018, um, especially with Johns Hopkins University. And I downloaded their playlist on Spotify. I bought a really great sleep mask and some really nice headphones. And I was in an apartment at the time. I put a camera in the corner of the room because I didn't know if this was going to kill me or not. And um, I hit record. I took three and a half grams, covered my eyes, hit play, and that was it. And uh, I came out six hours later uh, and I just fucking cried. I, I, it was the first time that I felt anything, good or bad, in my conscious memory. And I felt, I felt this like, overwhelming sense of love and gratitude for myself for being able to embrace the suck. Life-changing experience. Paradigm shift was happening. And... I started to work with mushrooms twice a month and I would stair step, you know, my next was four grams and four and a half and then five. And then I started teetering, you know, upwards of that. And I've really come down to, you know, six grams for me was, was a incredibly therapeutic dose for me to get to my root traumas. And, uh, and through this work that I was doing in 2018, 2019, I forgave my father, like, personally. Like, I actually had a conversation with him. And I, I hated my father. And, um, you know, when I, when I came home from war, which I didn't hit on, I was an atheist. Like, God didn't exist in Felicia. And I didn't just believe in God anymore. I knew God. 
And this was, you know, you, you talk about religious trauma growing up in the Catholic church, right? The most powerful organization in the world, right? And, and what they have done to suppress what's been happening in that religion for so long. And then to grow up in this system and then to lose faith, lose belief. And then all of a sudden, it all makes sense. I can't make this shit up. And it allowed me to, to rediscover who I am and rediscover where I've been and to understand that all of these difficult experiences, I would say unfortunate, but I'm very fortunate to have lived them. But all of these experiences that I went through that were challenging, that were hard, it wasn't who I was, it was just part of my story. And I didn't, I was no longer identifying with any of those, right? I, I'm not a Marine. That's just a role I played in a very short period of my life. I'm not a firefighter. It's just a role I played. And so to have all of this awareness and my life completely, com- completely changed. I haven't taken a pill since, tw- since 2018. My relationship with alcohol, like drink every now and then. I have a relationship with my ex-wife. I have the best relationship that I could have with my children. I was able to find a legitimate partner in life that I can share this life with. And I, I, I kicked every, when I was doing all this work on myself, I kicked everybody out, even people that were close to me, because I had to work on me first. And then when I got to a space of well, and then I started to hand select who I wanted to spend time with who I wanted to share this moment with. And that fucking circle is pretty goddamn small today. And I'm sure that you can probably say the same, right? With who your tribe is. I don't need a million followers. I don't need a ton of acquaintances. I want somebody who's going who's gonna to cheerlead me as I cheerlead them, who's going to champion what we're doing, somebody that I can celebrate highs and lows with, right? And... I would have never had that awareness because I was just spiraling. I was just in this loop. And what psychedelics me- psychedelic medicines do so well is it stops the loop. It's a pattern disruptor. And then you have this period of time with all this neuroplasticity to where then we can start to create these new habits, create our own reality, manifest that shit. I like when, when Paulin uh, talked about how, you know, you've got to, uh, a ski slope that everyone's been on and it's late in the season and there's all these different runs that everyone continues to take and they've just been worn. You know, these paths have been oh, worn. Oh, the new powder? And, exactly, yeah. yeah. And then you're right. going down and, and uh, you can't help but find yourself on one of these pre-made paths that you've taken. You know, that's, that's the, the, the neural patterning that you've, you've already made. You've already laid this out through decisions you've made your whole life. And then you get the fresh, psychedelics give you the fresh powder. Create wherever path you want. You know, build the new, uh, new connections. I love that analogy. Well, it's so good. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not a huge snowboarder. I don't do it too much anymore, but you always want to be the first one on the mountain, right? You want to take that new path that nobody's taken yet. 
And you're <clears throat> you're absolutely right. This was, you know, working with with mushrooms um, over 2018, 2019, rather heavily, and then moving into some of these these additional teachers and medicines. I mean, I I was it it absolutely changed my life. It was a catalyst, right? And um, it's all of these were tools to lead me to where I'm at today. And um, I started to talk about it at the fire station. Um, How did that go? Because I, 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 you know, when I got out of fighting, I wanted to be a firefighter. In 2012, got nationally registered as an EMT. Sure. And did a bunch of stuff. Um, there was some pretty cool, back in California, the Sunnyville guys do uh, fire and law enforcement, so they're interchangeable. Then they can select where they want to go. But everyone that you see this police officer is trained and can get on scene and actually has all their turnouts and gear in the back of their- Where is this? Their squad car. Sunnyville, California. Wow. It's by Cupertino awesome. in San Jose. But there was lots of cool places like that. Um, Santa Clara Fire, awesome place. And a bunch of my buddies from high school that I'd known, uh, Ryan Mitchell with San Diego Fire, Barry Arata with San Jose Fire and paramedic and, and became captain. And so like I'd seen buddies kind of move through. I had a great friend of mine, um, Phoenix Fire, be- ended up becoming a captain- so like it was, it was kind of laid out. It was just like, yeah, that's a given. Um, it ended up not working that way for me, and I have complete gratitude for it because of it's it, there. You know, so many similarities. You know, and, and like the the dark humor you were talking about. Um, not that dark humor fucks with me, but it's that the fact that that has to be used just to fucking let allow the pressure to fucking pop off, right? Like it's yep. it's, it's 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 by it's a pressure the, cooker. You're it's right. a pressure cooker, it's right? A it's like relief sh- valve. Oh, yeah, exactly. Right? It's like yeah. the steamer, you know. Sh- yep. um, <clears throat> And, and, yeah, you know, I, I do thank God that I was able to shift in a different direction, but all for all the same reasons, the purpose, um, the camaraderie, having a fucking team, um, doing something that, that was for the greater good, you know, doing something for the good of all. But, um, you know, they, there is a very, like a, a hierarchical military style in the way that that's set up. And, and it, it's very curious to me, like how the game is now, uh, with all this evidence around plant medicines, things like that. But in the past, I was just like, I can't do that. I'm a, you know, I'll do that when I retire kind of deal. I got a buddy who's APD SWAT. I'll do that when I retire. His wife works with psilocybin. He can't wait, but he's not touching it until he's done, you know? I know. And, and you know, I think education, by like educating people um, on, I mean, A, they're not testing, for, they're, they're not going to test for it, right? There's no I tryptamine mean, test. Yeah, yeah that's correct. exactly what I said. So, I mean, <laughs> he's just not testing but, for but people, are, people are scared and they're programmed, right? Your, your buddy that works for SWAT's programmed, right? He's gone through the system. He's in the system. Uh, they're, they're, and they've been, you know, I look at law enforcement and they have been fighting the war on drugs their entire careers, right? Which we've lost. I mean, clearly. <laughs> been <laughs> <Right>? lost. <laughs> it's been lost. Yeah. But, you know, it's, and, you know, it's, you know, it's, they're they're in the system, so they don't feel comfortable. They don't, and they also don't have the right education and the resources to understand that they can they can sit with these medicines. But that is changing. Um, you know, I I was having these conversations to you know you're very close in the fire station. Um, I worked at Central's, so we had an engine crew and a truck crew, so we have you know um, eight people there, um, twenty four hours you're spending with them. Right, so you—that is your family away from your family, and um, they saw a major shift in me. I mean, it was clear. I mean, they knew where I got, and then they see this entirely different 
person. It's like, what's going on? And I was very open. I was like, guys, I, I think I'm starting to figure some stuff out. And, um, you know, I'm working with mushrooms. And uh, my entire being is, is, is healing. And um, it's, it's allowed me to go and, you know, after my TBI, I didn't really have a lot of childhood memories. Some of those were suppressed. Um, but some of those I just could not uh, remember. I started to have a childhood again through these experiences and um, relive some traumatic experiences because the only way around it is through it, right? That's something that I've learned. Um, and people were very receptive of what I was sharing with them. And uh, some, some people would approach me and um, inquire uh, how I got started. I was growing mushrooms at the time. I still grow today. I, I, I believe mushrooms are my ancient medicine. Midwest grow kits? Mid- no, 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 not anymore. That's how I started. <laughs> That's what I started That's how with I started. too, in California. And I, you know, I A lo- long time ago. I love, you know, I grow one strain for, for our sanctuary. Um, I grow a ghost strain. Um, very introspective strain. I've, I've played around with a few different strains of, of mushrooms uh, through my time working with them. And um, such a beautiful medicine, man. Like it really, it really is such a, a beautiful medicine to just be present, right? And just to, to feel and um, just to, you know, just to explore like who we are, explore consciousness, explore our existence. You don't have to do heroic doses every time you work with these, right? You know, use them as a tool to, uh, to, to, to explore, explore yourself and, and learn more about what we're doing here. And, um, it's been, it's, it's been such a great tool for me. And, you know, I, I got treated with Ibogaine. Um, is that down uh, south of San Diego? It was not. Okay. It was done here in Austin. Mm. Um, I, I, Injection or, or like a boga powder? Capsule. Okay. Yeah, cool. it was capsule. Uh, so they, they, um, uh, they synthesized um, the alkaloid um, and gave it to me here. I didn't feel safe going to TJ, mm. Tijuana. Yeah. Um, and I, I had a lot, you know, <clears throat> you know, this is 2022. This is January 2022. I was freshly married, remarried. Uh, and I, uh, I, I was on week on week off with, with my children, and um, yeah, I, I just felt a lot of guilt leaving. You know, it's uh, there's you know my my wife at the time was you know freshly getting to 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 know this space, um, and I just felt so much shame about saying, oh, I'm going to go on a retreat, uh, <laughs> right? Because you know it, it sounds nice, but these experiences are challenging. Yeah. Um, and so it's, it's, it's not what we would really consider, a, um, you know, some, some bougie experience, um, uh, to, to go through this, especially when I'm, I'm speaking of a trauma focus, but, yeah. um, so I got in tra- and of itself though, Iboga and I began, you know, <laughs> that's, that's right. Not- it, there's nothing fun about that. That's right. No, that's it was a, you know, it work. was a super long experience for me. Um, but, um, the container that I was in was compromised. And I had done, you know, I, I, I've been doing work since late 2018 on myself. Um, and I had this, I'm grateful for the experience, but if it wasn't me going through it, A, I thought it was a veteran retreat and I was with four other addicts. 
Um, so it was, it was extremely challenging for me to be in that type of, I didn't know what addiction energy felt like until I was in it. And there was, there was, there was things that was happening, um, and, and actions people were taking within this container, um, that removed all sacredness of the container of the work was really an insult to me. I mean, I don't like taking time away from my wife and my kids. And so I showed up prepared to do the work. And the, the people that put on this program for me did not prepare um, to join me in this journey. And so I came out of this experience. You know, they had rented a house on the east side of Austin. They, they didn't have headphones. There was a dog, a service dog in the house that was barking. There was road construction outside. So I listened Oof. to a jackhammer for countless hours wow. and so I was frustrated uh, but I but I came out of this experience and I took one of the integration coaches upstairs and I'm like you know what I think I I think I I know what my purpose is and um, and that's what I did I left the fire service two weeks after that um, how long had you been five and a half years okay and I did not yeah, I, um, the, the fire service did not serve me anymore. You know, I, was, I, I had moved to Station 3, which is by um, UT University, in hopes that I can go to a slower station and kind of slow things down, get some better sleep, but my heart wasn't in it anymore. I, I just, I was tired of having sad days. I was tired of seeing death. I was tired of holding space for the mother who just lost a baby. Still want to do it. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm so grateful that there's people out there that, that can do it and want to do it. Um, but I'm also trying to help them become well so we can have well police officers and well firefighters show up on scenes instead of people that are spiraling like I was. And so, uh, in March of 2022, um, I worked with some lawyers and I incorporated a, a sacred medicine sanctuary called Heroic Path to Light. And my focus was to end suicide. Um, in the veteran, the first responder, the gold star uh, communities. And um, it took me about nine months to create a protocol for my, the first two, we're a multi-sacrament sanctuary. Um, and I did it that way because it's not a one size fits all. Yeah. Um, so I really wanted to start creating customized pathways for people to become well. And um, so we started, we started serving mushrooms and, and uh, bufo. Um, and that was our first retreat on Veterans Day of, of last year. And I hand-selected that first group, and most of them were active firefighters with the city of Austin, people that had seen me come out on the other side and wanted that. And I wanted to, you know, create a community, right, just like what you guys are doing here. Um, I didn't have a community. I lost a lot of people through the divorce. You know, people start choosing sides, and it's, it's crazy. Um, and I wanted to build, I couldn't find a community. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to build it. I'm just going to create it for myself. And I know, I know I'm going to put out the love and the energy into creating that, that people are going to want to be a part of that. And so, and that's what I did. Um, uh, since then, you know, our, our, the organization has grown uh, and we have uh, fully sponsored 58 people to come through our program. Um, and I was, I was, I was very... I'll say obsessed um, with doing things differently and, you know, really creating a comprehensive program to treat mental health and trauma. And so I was, I was seeing, 
you know, people leave the country and come back and they didn't, they would return to their same, their same environment and they didn't have community and they didn't have the proper support uh, to make big time life changes. And so I was like, huh, well, I think we can just manifest anything. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put a com- comprehensive therapeutic model inside of a sanctuary. And that's what I did. I started to hire therapists, psychologists, RNs, nurse practitioners, a medical director. And I started to build out what I felt we needed. I wanted to, this, this was built by us for us is, is what my mentality was. Like, I'm not a doctor, I'm not a researcher, but I knew what I needed and what I currently need to coexist in this reality. Like, this is the support I needed, so I was going to build it. And so I, <clears throat> I coupled, I really, through my lack of preparation and integration, my knowledge at the time that I was working with mushrooms by myself, I didn't know what integration was. I didn't have a community, right? I didn't have anybody to ask, you know, for guidance on. I just had to figure it out. And so we now have a 25-week program that we sponsor individuals to go through. It's eight weeks of prep with our therapists, psychologists, with our integration specialist. We, we hook them up with a 16-week microdosing protocol. Our nurse practitioner starts to taper off all their medications. So they come in as a clean slate. When they- That's really important, the, uh, the piece you just said. And as far as tapering is concerned, I have family members and friends who have, you know, same, similarly, seen my transformation over the years and followed me since I was born. Yeah, sure. Uh, and want to get in. And at the same time, you know, there are contraindications, especially for things like ayahuasca. Um, but, but, and Navigain, but, but at the very least, you know, like an SSRI will, will prevent psilocybin from working. I had a buddy that was on a, we were at a fucking bachelor party of all places, just having a couple grams and laughing. And the dude ended up taking seven grams and said he doesn't feel a thing. And I was like, dude, you're still on shit. And he, he copped to it. He was still on SSRIs. And I was like, you're not, you're a bottomless pit right now. You're not going to fucking feel any of that. The medication is not allowing it, you know? Um, but the, the tapering has to be guided, right? It can't just be something where it's like willy-nilly, I'm going cold turkey. or, or and, and, and not just guided in the sense of like, you could find a protocol on here's how you wean from Wilbutrin or whatever the fuck you're on. But it's having guidance through that process, knowing that there is light at the end of the tunnel, that you're gearing up for an experience that's going to transform you if you allow it. And I think that's, I haven't heard of anyone doing that. That's really fucking cool. I appreciate it. Yeah. I, uh, neither have I. Um, and I like to be different. Uh, and I believe, uh, well, I know that the prep and the integration is the work. Um, and if you don't support, properly support the psychedelic experience, that's all it's going to be, is an experience. And you're not going to be able to change your mind. Your subconscious is going to kick back in, and those old habits that kept you alive, they're going to start up again. And this is why, you know, I, I, I hold people accountable as I want people to hold me accountable. And every time somebody comes to me and says, I need to do the medicine again, I need more medicine. I'm like, no, you don't. You need to do the work. If, if, if you're going to always need to feel like you need to do more medicine if you're not making life changes, right? Like I tell everybody, hey, clean your house before you come down to Austin. Clean it. Remove things that you want to remove so when you come back there, 
It's a welcoming environment. It's new. It's fresh. It's clean. Let's start over. And it's people need that. People don't know. They don't know what they don't know. And so being able to meet people where they're at and, and understand that we don't really, know, as, as beings, we don't even really know what we're doing here. And, and to have that awareness, like we can really kind of nurture people and, and, and so that they feel safe to feel vulnerable and fully supported to know that, okay, this person's going to walk up this monstrous mountain with me. And we're going to do this together. It's called a practice for a reason, right? Like all of these tools in my toolbox, I'm not a master at them. I'm learning daily. Do I have less than great days? Absolutely, I do. But I have a great support system now. I have a great community and I have a box full of tools that I can reach in and pull out and just try something new. And just because I can't bend myself in a pretzel, we teach yin yoga, right? So lazy man's yoga, right? Like, you know... But it's, it's all about being present in your body, right? All these different tools, right? And just being present in the moment. They call it the present because it's a gift. And we're so far, we're, you know, for so many years, I was so focused on looking in the past. Can't change that. You have no idea what tomorrow is, right? And so it's really allowed me to focus on today. Now, as a visionary and, and a creator, I'm looking down there. Right. But but I but I have the awareness and, and to be able to, you know, come back to, to center, come back to me, come back to now. And so, you know, we so I coupled this this, you know, eight week integration program or a preparation uh, program. And then they come down for for these two medicines, you know, that we've since onboarded Wachuma and MDMA. And then next year, ayahuasca and ibogaine are coming through our sanctuary. Beautiful. And, you know, I really want to, you know, build these customized medicine pathways for people with what they're presenting with, their behavioral patterns, relationship history, medical history. Something that's going to take a very long time for the medical model, the federal government to get on board with and to, uh, to really be successful with. And so, you know, they're, you know, I'm doing this under a religious ex- exemption to the Controlled Substance Act, right? And I know you guys are, are very familiar with this. And, um, you know, there's, you know, I, so they come down, they come down for five days um, and we don't work with the medicine until day two. We work with them. We have a ceremony on day two and day four. And they, we, we, we're teaching different modalities throughout this retreat experience uh, and then have different workshops, uh, team building exercises. Um, we, we've already kind of, during the, the prep phase, during their weekly calls, they go start learning these modalities already, so it's not new for them when they come down. And we're, we're really building the infrastructure for them to be successful and helping them regulate their nervous system because trauma hijacks our nervous system. And, you know, if, if you can't regulate that, then here we are in this loop, right? And so by the time they get to us, they are properly prepared. Uh, and, the, and the relationships that they have formed by being on our signal thread, you know, with the other nine individuals, because we run cohorts of 10, um, to, 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 and we, we require that people leave faced messages, 
like visual messages instead of just voice or, or text so people can um, see how you're doing and people can hear how you're doing instead of just masking behind a screen. And then, you know, by the time, you know, and for a lot of these individuals, they haven't worked with a psychedelic before. And so I require all of our integration specialists to be on site. Like if you're going to, if you're going to have a touch point with, with a, with a member, um, either in the prep or the integration, you need to be on site during the retreat. And, you know, we have an on-site nurse practitioner, we have an EMT, we have everything we need to provide a container um, that is going to allow for growth um, and transformation. Uh, I can't promise anybody their safety, but I can manage risk. Um, and so, and then when they leave, and during this, during this portion, um, their, their families get a four-week prep and a four-week integration so that they can, A, get brought along this journey with them, so you don't feel resentment and all of these like low vibrational feelings that people feel when their husband or their wife comes home well, right? And it's like, uh, you've been shitting on me for like two decades, yeah, right? <laughs> so, yeah. so understanding to bring them along with it. That's such an important piece too that also nobody does. So well, yeah. just clapping here, like that's, that's a huge one. I learned it from one of our members and uh, it, was our, it was our second retreat. And uh, he got into a bad fight with his wife. She dropped him off. She's like, this is a cult. You, you don't even know who they are. What they're, and this is, a, this is a friend from the fire department. <laughs> and um, he had this in his head when he went in, t- uh, when, he, when he sat with the medicine, extremely challenging. And um, it made me have the awareness like, holy shit, we need to introduce ourselves to the families we need to start having these calls with them so that they can be with nine other families and we can all do this together, really heal the family unit. And so I, I, I look at every member that comes into ceremony with us and as a teacher to me, uh, and I learned so much from these individuals. Um, and uh, so that's how I had the awareness of that. Cause I never knew what it felt like to be a military first responder spouse. I, I, I didn't have that awareness because I didn't have that experience. And so because of that, we bring them along. Uh, and then these, these you know, groups of spouses then get to come through ceremony and then get to sit together. And then it's, it's all of us doing this together. Then our integration program is 16 weeks. Um, now, as a nonprofit, I have to have like a, like a start and finish. But the whole idea is like integration never ends. And so once you build the community, build the container, then we constantly integrate with each other forever. But on paper, it's a 16-week integration program. And then that, that's, that includes another eight weeks of calls. Uh, the spouses get four, four weeks of calls. And then uh, it's a 16-week-long accountability group. Now, the accountability groups are still going from our first retreat. Uh, they're evergreen. And they're, they're holding space for each other. They're holding each other accountable. They do hikes every Friday, right? We have pockets of people now as we expand in different parts of the country that meet up. And I mean, that's, that's what we're doing here, man. Like, this is what we need. We need connection. And we need somebody to be able to talk to that we feel safe with uh, that allows us to be vulnerable to express what it is that we're feeling going through and for somebody just to know the fact that, hey, you know, Kyle, you're, you're just going to sit there and listen to me. 
And you're, you're, you, you don't have to say anything, but to know that you're going to hold that space for me, for me to, to feel like this and to express myself is what I needed to grow from this experience. And so that, that's, what, that's what we do. We, put, we have a five-week breathwork, like in, intensive breathwork course. It's all done online that we put people through. Like, uh, breathwork was a game changer for me. Being able to like <laughs> tap into DMT, right? Mm-hmm. And to get into altered states by just breathing. Our, our lead facilitator is one of my board members. His name's Leland Holgate. He has the Willful Warrior. And he was a quadplegic, like, like he was a, he, he got out of PJ school, got in a boating accident on leave, broke his neck, like couldn't walk, like couldn't feel anything down from his Adam's apple. His, his uh, physical therapist for the VA was an advanced yogi who knew ancient breath techniques within two years. He was walking. Damn. Crazy, crazy story. And, um, and you know, he's, he's getting his double doctorate, fascinating individual and really helps to kind of understand the science of, of, of breathing. Great book out there, Breath. Um, you know, and, and that... Is that a James Nestor? Yeah. yeah. And, and just something that you can, you can start to, to do in the comforts of your home for free. Because I'm very clear with, with our, our members, like, I'm not a healer. Please do not call me that. I'm, a, I'm your guide. I'm here to guide you through this process, but you're your own healer. You have everything inside of you that you need to become well. And that's really the paradigm shift of how we treat people in America. Because we always go to the doctor, we take the pill to get well. Oh man, you cut your arm, your technology heals itself. Right? So, you know, I want to just provide all these tools for people to understand that they have the power, they have the wisdom inside of themselves to get out of that feeling that they're going through, to get out of that experience that they want to get out of. And, and by doing that, then you have this group of people that is now starting to grow, and now it's, in, it's impacting the, the relationships with their children, it's impacting the relationships with their families. They're all becoming well. And, you know, you look at, like, why we've had, you know, the Controlled Substance Act and... You know, big pharma's in the space. I mean, I saw I saw some crazy number. They're they're predicting you know close to like a seven billion dollar industry in the psychedelic you know psychedelic industry um, by 2030. Like big pharma's big pharma's here, right? They're coming. We can't stop that. Um, but you know, I believe these medicines to be ancient technologies, right? They're, they're, they're here, you know, if God's nature, then these medicines are God, right? And they're here to teach us something. And they're, they're here to teach us how to be present. They're here to teach us how to connect with one another. They're here to explore our existence. And they also do a fantastic job at healing from trauma, and that's one thing that you can't, you know, the only thing that we've been able to successfully dismantle the Controlled Substance Act that's still going to take some work and countless amounts of money is research. And it's funny because it's funny and sad that the federal government has done very little at providing money for research. 
right? And all of this has been done on the philanthropic side, right? Like, and the government owes this. They need to get into the game. They need to put forth the, the, the money to help people become well, especially if, any, if, if no other community, the veteran community, the first responder communities, people that, keep, that, that are truly the heartbeat of this country, right? And I'm just going to throw this out there. I have a belief that when our veteran population becomes well, they're going to start to fight for this country within our borders. And that's going to be a force that is going to be very difficult to stop. Because right now they're keeping us unwell. Right now they're suppressing us. It's a multi-billion dollar industry. And the fact that we have anywhere from 22 to 44 veterans a day killing themselves, it's a tragedy. Right? And I'm like, hmm, just imagine a country to where all of these men and women who signed up to serve are well again. What do you think is going to happen? I think for the government, it's scary. And, uh, you know, I'm, I, I started this organization with the idea that if I could just save one life, the risk, the risk that I was taking, the money that I was investing, the time I was investing was worth it for their Stella and Leo at home would be able to grow up with a father or a mother. And the ripple effect of suicide is, is incredibly destructive. And that we, we can get into like generational traumas, right? And, and that being passed down. And, um, you know, I, I wanted to do this and build an organization, a sanctuary here that was a safe haven for people to come to uh, in times of darkness to find light again. And I didn't want the only access to these substances to be out of the country. How on earth can we fight for this country and serve these communities, but we have to leave to find help, to find, you know, any chance at becoming well? So that's, that's, that was the whole idea of, of creating this here and, and to do it to where it wasn't a financial burden. So, so we put people through that program without cost because I believe it's our country's turn to, to serve them. You're doing fucking great, brother. And I'm very, Thanks, very, Kyle. very impressed. Thanks, uh, man. With, you know, I, I can't remember for the life of me who introduced us, but I know we have... It was Jason. Plenty. Oh, Bodine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jason. Jason. Yep. Multiple buddies in the game. Um, and... Uh, I'm surprised it's taken this long, knowing you're local, you know. But um, I, I love that you're doing this. It is—it's a trek, you know. It's—it's a, it's a pilgrimage for people to make it out to where I met Jason. You know, we we're Don Howard spot. You gotta fly to Lima, spend the night. The next day, you fly to Iquitos. Then you're on a four-hour, you know, riverboat ride up the Amazon to get to Don Howard spot at Spirit Quest. There's no air conditioning, you know. Love Spirit Quest. Make the make make the the pilgrimage yeah, if you sure. can. Right. But it, a lot of people get DQ'd just from the cost of being there or because of how long it takes. And if you're there for eight days and you tack two or three days on both sides of that, 
that's a, that's a couple of weeks you got to be away from home, from your job, from your responsibilities. And uh, what's the financial? I I don't know this. I honestly I don't know. It was a gift from Aubrey, yeah, so sure. I, couldn't, I couldn't say. Um, I think Soltara, where we go, I've been a couple times now, is around a couple grand, and that's in Costa Rica. It's a lot easier to get to. There is air conditioning, um, but still outside of the country, you know, some a lot of people don't have passports or don't want to travel that far if, if they're not well and looking to get well. Um, so it's, it's, it's fantastic what you guys are doing and making it available because really a lot of this stuff is, um, we, we can for sure argue that if it's too widely available and not held in the right container, that's a failure on one point. If people don't have access, that's a failure just as well, but people really need access to, to a quality container and that's what you guys have created. No, I appreciate it. Yeah, and I'm I'm excited to announce that starting in January, Illuminated Hearts is our uh, sister sanctuary. That's going to be for civilians. So people uh, that are a traumatized, as well as people uh, that are executives, C-suite, you know, people that are looking for more mastermind types of ceremonies uh, to be able to to collaborate and connect with one another. So excited to be able to because it, it really is access for everybody. Um, so I'm, I'm really looking forward to being able to provide this to the, the greater uh, community so that we can all start to connect with each other. And then, you know, what I'm going to do, because fundraising has been like there is a big ass elephant sitting in the room that I cannot lift. Right. And so these the, the sister uh, sanctuary is going to be running paid, uh, you know, retreats and programs. And then proceeds of those, as it's all in the 501c3, is going to sponsor veterans and first responders. And, um, and then I will say, um, I haven't said this yet, uh, especially uh, on, on air, but uh, February, so February is our next retreat. So they, they're starting their preparation program uh, next week. And in this cohort... Uh, is a gentleman by the name of Sarko Jajarian. And he is an active duty police lieutenant in Winthrop, Massachusetts, just a, a stone throw away from Boston. And um, he has been given approval from his town manager, which is, a, they're not big enough for a mayor. There's about 20,000 people. Um, but has been given approval um, to uh, practice his own religious and spiritual beliefs and gave him the opportunity to exercise his religious exemption uh, from the Controlled Substance Act. And um, this wasn't just verbal. This was done in document. It was documented. Uh, and so he is joining our sanctuary. And from, from my knowledge, uh, will be the first active duty, active duty law enforcement officer to receive approval to join a medicine sanctuary to commune in a ceremonial way with these comp with these compounds. And so he's coming through in February and that's huge. Um, because what I expect to happen, he's, he's also a therapist. He got the hundred hour, you know, M, you know, MDMA certification from maps. He was on how to change your mind, um, as a healthy normal to receive treatment. What I expect to happen from this, um, as it'll end up on one of these big hubs uh, as a documentary, is that active duty military and first responders around this country 
are going to start to raise the question on how they can start to commune with these medicines in a ceremonial way to become well and to, to grow and to transform. Um, it always takes somebody to do it the first time. And uh, I'm so proud of that individual because, you know, more cops die by suicide than in the line of duty. And that's, that's astonishing. And you, you, you got to understand that, you know, I want to make sure that the first responders get brought along this conversation. I mean, the veterans had to be the, the people, uh, the community to start this. But first responders never leave the battlefield, right? It's just trauma, 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 go home. You're detached from your wife, trauma, trauma, trauma. You go home, you can't tuck your kids into bed, trauma, 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 suppress. It's like death by a thousand cuts. And you don't know until it's too late. And you're on your third marriage and you've, you've spent a lifetime with addiction, legal addiction, sugar, alcohol, tobacco, relationships. And uh, it, it's too late at that point. And, uh, you know, you see more and more people within these first responder communities killing themselves. And we have to understand why is that happening? And I think it's going to take a few of these dominoes to fall. And the system is going to break. And uh, people are going to start to want to become well and know that they have access, you know, here in this country to do so. And um, so really excited, uh, you know, for Sarko to – he's never sat with mushrooms. We'll be facilitating mushrooms and bufo for him. Um, he's not the, – the only controlled compound he has ever worked with um, has been MDMA. And uh, just a shout out to Rick Doblin and MAPS for the work that they've done. Um, uh, PBC just filed um, with the FDA for approval for MDMA. So I'm super great. I, we've manifested this reality and all of like, things are starting to happen. Um, and I'm so proud of what, what they're doing on the, on the state level. You know, I love being in Texas. I love having a psychedelic research center at Del Med. You know, what they're doing on Capitol Hill and in D.C., although it's going to take a lot longer, um, people are having the conversations and we are dismantling uh, the Controlled Substance Act. Um, and it's you can't one thing you can't do is shy away from the testimonials of people that don't want to kill themselves anymore and that are becoming well. And and then you, you back that up with evidence and research, I mean, it's... Yeah, brother. It's, it's, it's going to change the world. Fuck yeah. So good. Well, where can people reach you? And uh, uh, Is the Illuminated Heart going to be something that's available to people in 2024? It's, uh, starting in January. So okay. Illuminated Hearts, our, our first program will be uh, January 26th to 29th. So we'll start uh, over the next week uh, taking applications for that. Um, and then you can reach out to us via uh, Heroic Path to Light as well. Uh, so you can find me on social media, um, on all the channels. My, uh, my manager just created a TikTok. I, I, I'm embarrassed to say this. <laughs> I'm embarrassed to say it. Um, but yes, um, Heroic Path to Light has a TikTok. So, you know, I, I, uh, yeah, please reach out. If you have a loved one, if you, uh, you personally are struggling, if you're looking to sit 
uh, in sacred ceremony with these medicines. If you want to join community, please reach out. If you want to help save a life, if you, if you, if you want to say thank you, or if you want to make a donation in, in somebody's memory who has lost the battle uh, to suicide or was die, you know killed overseas or killed on the job, please do. It, it, this does take a village, um, but we together can be the, the light in somebody's darkest hour. And um, I, I assure you, uh, life-saving is happening right here in Austin, Texas. Fuck yeah, brother. That's excellent, excellent, excellent. Thank you for what you're Thank doing, Thank you, brother. Kyle. Thank you, man. <laughs>